Alhamdulillah Salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala Amma ba'du fa'an Abi Dharrin Jundub ibn Junadata wa Abi Abdurrahman Mu'adh ibn Jabalin radiyallahu anhuma An rasulillahi sallallahu alihi wa sallam Kaal Ittaqillahi haythuma kunt Wa atbi'i sayyiyata alhasanata tamhuha Wa khaliqin nasa bikhuluqin hasan Rawahu al-Tirmidhi wa qala hadithun hasan Wa fi ba'dhin nusakhi hasanun sahih Alhamdulillah brothers and sisters We're continuing with the commentary of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah, the Arba'een of Imam al-Nawawi. And what we've mentioned previously is that these 40 hadith are the fundamentals and the major principles of Islam. That if you were to take every hadith, every single hadith would be a specific principle or a fundamental aspect of the deen. A fundamental aspect that you live by. Each one is a rule or a principle, an usul to live by. So, hadith number 18 that we have reached Sayyidina Abu Zar, Jundub ibn Junada, and Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabbar, radiallahu anhuma, both of them narrate this hadith that, Ittaqillaha haythu ma kunt. Fear Allah Azza wa Jal wherever you may be. Fear Allah Azza wa Jal and be conscious of Allah no matter where you may be. And follow up any sin with a good deed and it will wipe it away. And deal with the people and have conduct with the people in, with excellent character. And this hadith is narrated in Tirmidhi and it is an authentic hadith, it's a reliable hadith. So a couple of things regarding the narrators of this hadith. This also, the ulama mentioned, is bin Jawami al-Kalim. This hadith is from the comprehensiveness of speech, meaning these words, the words of it, it's literally three sentences. Ittaqillaha haythu ma kunt. Be conscious of Allah no matter where you may be. Wa tamhuha. And follow up your sin with a good deed and it'll wipe it away. hasan. And deal with people with good character. So these literally three sentences, three phrases, and the ulama mentioned that this encompasses huququllah and huququl ibad. This is the meaning of jawami al-kalim. And we're going to learn, inshallah, when did the Prophet say this? To who did he say this? And like I mentioned before, why do the Scholars in Islam mention who is the narrator of the hadith. An Abi Hurayrata, An Abi Dharr al-Ghifari, An Mu'adh ibn Jabal. What's the point? So the ulama mentioned that the secret of the hadith is in that. The secret of the hadith, the sir of the hadith, is in the authority of the one who narrated the hadith. So there's something that we know in, in, in ayat of Quran is called sababun nuzul. The reason behind the revelation. And in hadith, there's something called sababul wurud. The reason why this hadith came. What was the reason why it was said? What was the reason why the Prophet ﷺ mentioned it? So this is the fiqh, fiqh of the hadith. This is the raz and the background of the hadith. So in this Abu Dhar narrating and Mu'adh ibn Jabal narrating, there, is a, there was a situation by which the Prophet ﷺ narrated this jami' but concise, yani comprehensive but concise advice that he gave 
He gave it to Mu'adh ibn Jabal and Abu Dhar Ghifari. What were the circumstances? This is very beautiful. The circumstances. And we'll get to that. But first, let's go into who is the narrators of these hadith. First one, Abu Dhar al-Ghifari. And it is narrated from him that he himself says, Abu Dhar Ghifari himself, he says, Ana rabi'un fil Islam. Basically, I'm the fourth person who, has accept, who had accepted Islam. And some have made kalam on this. What does it mean? Because the first of those who accepted Islam was Sayyidah Khadija, and Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, and Abu Bakr Siddiq, and I believe it was uh, one more person. So it was, so they say the four from the ones that, other than the, the first ones who had accepted. Yani there was a, the first sabiqoon, who literally that Ahl Bayt of the Prophet ﷺ who accepted Islam there and then. But from amongst after them, from what Abu Zar was aware of, he said, I was the fourth one. Ana rabi'un fil Islam. So then he says, or is mentioned, Aslama wa raja'a ila qawmihi. He accepted Islam and raja'a ila qawmihi. He returned to his people. Thumma hajara ila al-Madina. And then he made hijra to Madina Munawara. So basically, the, interest, the story of Abu Dhar Ghifari is very interesting. He was actually a highway robber. And he, his story is mentioned very beautifully in Sifat al-Safwa by Allama ibn Jawzi rahimahullah. And it says that I used to wait on the roadside and any caravans that used to come, I would attack them all on my own. And the tribe that he was actually from, Banu Ghifar, they were known to be gangsters. They were known to be like people who go and attack and ambush and do these type of things. So he would lay ambush on caravans and he would say, I would do it all by myself in the late night. And he said, this was what I would do. And he said, a time came, he says, I, I, he said, a time came that I felt that I knew that there is a God. So what I would do is, I would throw myself on the ground and I would say, I am throwing myself on the ground in prostration to whoever you are, O creator of the heavens and the earth. Ya khaliq as-samawati wal-ard. Whoever you are, because I know that God cannot be kept inside of an, in, in a house. I know that God is not an idol. Whoever you are, and he said, I, he would fall in prostration till Fajr, and then he would sleep. So his, his first days, he was a qutta'at tariq, qati'at tariq, right? highway robber, attacking caravans. And then after that, the sweetness of iman came inside of his heart. Fitrah. This is the fitrah. And there's many people like this, brothers and sisters. Those of our brothers and sisters that are involved in the effort of da'wah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward them that they are sometimes, you know, how do you say, the match for those hearts that are ready to be ignited. Abu Zar Ghifari was one of those people where there was a burning, there's like a, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, you have that um, firewood, you know, there was this, you know, intense longing inside his heart. All you need to do is just light a match or a spark. You spark it and that will catch on fire. So he was in this state of fitrat and searching. So his brother, Anis, he told him, he said, Oh my brother, what you're looking for is in Makkah. What you are looking for is in Makkah. He said, what do you mean? He said, don't you know 
There is a sabi'i. Na'udhu He said, there is a person who has renounced the religion of his forefathers. He is a sabi'i. He renounced the religion of his forefathers. But he's calling to what you are looking for. You are looking for this oneness of Allah. This is what he's calling to. He's calling to the religion of Abraham. He said, I must go. And I will go. He said, they're going to kill you. I'm telling you, but go at your own, you know, go at your own risk. He said, I have to go. You think nothing is going to stop me, he said. There is nothing in this world that's going to stop me from going to see Muhammad. So he went. And he said, I went and I came at nighttime. And there was, it was empty. The mataf was empty. And there were some women that were making tawaf. So he said, there was two idols there. And, I said, and he said, one idol was a male and the other idol was a female. So I told them, I said, why don't you read their nikah and get them married? Do the ceremony right here. Get them married. And he said, they looked at me. You know, like, what is this blasphemy? He's talking about our idols. So he was a, you know, he was a, he was a gangster. He doesn't care about anybody. He's a, he's a ro- highway robber. So then he said, but I knew that things were very tense and I could feel the tenseness. And he said, I was there and I was trying to keep myself hidden. But people could have kind of know, known that I am a stranger. And I'm kind of there looking here and there. He said, I did not have any food and I did not know anybody. And he said, I drank Zamzam for one month. This is his story is in Bukhari. He said, I drank from the well of Zamzam for one month. And he said, Hatta Samintu, until I actually got fat from it. Because the Prophet said that it is a food for the one who drinks it with the intention of food, and it is water for the one who wants to quench his thirst. The water of Zamzam is for whatever intention it is drunk. So he said, I was in this condition when Abu Bakr, or it was either Sayyidina Ali or Abu Bakr, he said, they found me and said, who are you? What are you here for? I know that you're looking for something. He said, I felt and I said, let me just take the chance. He said, I'm looking for Muhammad. He said, why are you looking for Muhammad? Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. So he said, I, am, I want to hear about what he has come with. He said, come, I will take you. And when he went with Sayyidina Abu Bakr to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, immediately he said, read to me, what has Allah sent you with? He said, Allah sent me with Tawheed and Silatul Arham, and Allah has sent me with, you know, the truth and with guidance and so on and so forth. And he gave him the Dawat of Islam, he read some Quran to him, right on the spot he accepted Islam. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I must declare the Haqq right now at the Kaaba. He said, oh Budhar, don't do it. He said, I cannot. It's not possible for me. I can't withhold myself. How can I hold the haqq? He went in the Kaaba and he declared, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And as soon as he said that, he said, There was one hitting me with his sandal, and another one punching me in the face, another one hitting me with a stick, and another one kicking me in the face. He said, Until my whole body became covered in blood. And he said, You could not tell the difference between the front of my face and the back of my face meaning from how much bloodied he'd become. He said, they made me like the nusub, like the ansab. Ansab are the idols with which they sacrifice the animals. So they sacrifice the animals and they spill the blood on the rock. So the complete rock is just like a, a pillar of blood. He said, that's what they had made me, like the ansab. Nusub. And he said, Abu Bakr ran and he pushed the people away. He said, do, do not kill this man. 
Do not kill him because if you kill him, do you know what tribe he is from? He is from the tribe of Banu Ghifar. And Banu Ghifar, you know what type of people these are. They're not going to leave you. And we're going to be in a headache with these people. And they're going to be in a feud and a fight with the Quraysh. We can't afford any quarrels and fights with people. You guys leave him. Don't kill him. Because if you kill him, then the whole tribe of Banu Ghifar is going to rain upon us. I'm, I'm advising you. Don't do it. And they left him. This was Abu Dhar Ghifari. Didn't care. From one, from day one, he was Muhajiri. He was the Sabiqun al Awwalun. Then he went back to the Prophet. He was kind of unconscious. They, they, uh, he said, See, I told you, I told you not to do that. He said, oh, Rasulullah, forgive me. I could not contain myself. He says, Look, you're not going to survive here. Things are very, very tough right now in Makkah. Go back to your people. He said, Ya Rasul, I want to be with you. He said, I said, go back to your people. He said, then give me some advice, Ya Rasulullah. What advice did he give him? He gave him this advice. This hadith. And you can see how jami, how comprehensive and how uh, meaningful and concise is this hadith. Ittaqillaha haythuma kunt. Now you understand how it relates. Abu Dhar Ghifari, he thought that if I'm not going to be in Makkah and I won't be close to the Prophet, how will I be able to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How will I be able to have taqwa? So the Prophet said, kunt. Have consciousness of Allah no matter where you are because Allah is everywhere. Yani, the ilm of Allah is everywhere. Allah is aware of your actions no matter where you might be. The ma'iyat of Allah and the knowledge of Allah and the awareness of Allah is wherever you may be. Allah is wherever you may be in His awareness and His knowledge and He is latiful khabir. So be conscious of Him no matter where you are. You don't need to be close to me. You need to, you need to protect your life right now. But go and be an ambassador for your people. Go and give da'wah to your people. And Sayyidina Abu Dhar Ghifari did that. And when he went back, all of his people accepted Islam. Or many of his people accepted Islam. He became the ambassador to his tribe. But look at the beautiful advice. That this advice of the Prophet was given to somebody who needed a complete advice from A to Z. And the Prophet ﷺ gave him such advice. And this is that hadith. It's from the usuls of deen. This is why I said that knowing the rawi, and Halat al-Rawi is the key to understanding the hadith in depth. If you read a hadith, yeah, Anna bi Hurairata radiallahu anhu, Anna ibn Masood radiallahu anhu, Anna Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu. Okay, but there is something about that person which will give you more insight in the hadith. The insight might be very subtle. For example, Khairukum man ta'allam al-Qur'an wa allama. We know this. خيركم من تعلم القرآن وعلمه. The best of you are those who learn the Quran and teach it. The narrator of this hadith is Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan. So if you don't know the ahwal of Sayyidina Uthman, you won't really get the connection of him narrating about Quran. We know that Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan was such a prolific master of the Quran that he would make a khatam of the entire Quran in one rakat. He would make the entire khatam in one rakat and then he would do Fatiha and Baqarah in the second one. Beginning all the way to the end and in the second one, Fatiha to Baqarah in the second. Yani, he would continue Al-Halu al-Murtahil 
beginning and then starting or finishing and starting all over again is the most beloved action. He would start and then he would end it in the, <laughs> in the second rakat. And he was jami'ah of the Qur'an. He was the compiler of the Quran Kareem. So Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan had a, a, a very close attachment to the Book of Allah Azza wa When you know that, then it's very obvious. And another thing you realize, the veracity, the haqqaniyat of hadith and the science of hadith. Because people say, I don't believe in hadith. Right? Nowadays people tell you that I don't believe in hadith. Hadith is too much doubtful or hadith is like this and one hadith says like this and one hadith. How can I trust hadith? How do I know that hadith is reliable? When you see these subtleties, this is too complicated for people to just sit there and make these things up. Like for me, you know, people in like 14, you know, 14 centuries ago sitting there and trying to make these things up. Oh, okay, so Uthman is the narrative of the Quran. So what we're going to do is we're going to, all the hadiths about the Quran, we're going to attribute to him. People don't do things like that. These are, you know, these are the haqqaiq, the realities of this science, which is so amazing, the subtleties, right? And you have many ahadith that have to do with the Day of Judgment. Many of the ahadith that are narrated about the Day of Judgment and Fitan are narrated by Huzayfa ibn al-Yaman. Sayyidina Huzayfa ibn al-Yaman. See? People don't, if you knew who was Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, he was sahibu sirri rasulillah. He was the holder of the secrets. He was the carrier of the secrets of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And in another hadith he says, everybody would ask the Prophet about the good things and I would ask the Prophet sallallahu about the bad things. So they said, Ya Huzaifa, everybody, and they asked actually, they asked him, Ya Huzaifa, why are you asking the Prophet about these things. What is the bad thing going to happen? When is this going to happen? Dajjal and Qiyamat and you know these like kind of scary and negative things and scary things. He didn't used to ask about Jannah. He never used to ask about Hur. He never used to ask about Qusur. He's asking about, the, he's not asking about Thawab. What's the reward of this or the virtue of that? He's not asking about Fadail. He's asking about Qiyamat and Alamatu Sa'a and Dajjal. And he says, because I want to know so I don't fall into it. I want to know it so that I recognize it. And when I recognize it, I will be able to guard myself from it. Subhanallah. And he was also the one the Prophet had told him the names of the munafiqeen. And Sayyidina Umar used to come to Huzaifa and say, Ya Huzaifa, please tell me the truth. Am I from amongst them? Tell me. Am I not from amongst them? Tell me the truth. He said, Ya Sayyidina Umar, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, you're not. How could you say that? He said, I know. Okay, I know, but I, I know myself better. It's reassuring to know I'm not on the list, but I know myself. So, th th again, there's that key in the ahadith of Sayyidina Hudayfa. And that's why I mentioned last week the masanid. Everybody learned this word, musnad. What's the difference between a musnad and a jami' and a sunan? Sunanun nasa'i wa jami'u tirmidhi wa musnadu ahmad wa musnad of darimi. Right? So the masanid or the musnad, the musnad is a book of hadith that is compiled by alphabetical order of the companions who are the narrators. You see what I'm saying? So if you open up the musnad of Imam Ahmad, it starts with musnad of Abi Bakr Siddiq. And then it has like 15 hadith or 10 hadith, however many that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu narrated. And this is, I mean, this is why I'm saying is this kind of science of hadith which is so fascinating. It's so intriguing. It's so amazing. 
that if you know the ahwal of the rawi, yani the condition of the narrator, then you can kind of get, and it's not all the time. I mean, sometimes a narrator will narrate a hadith that's just a general hadith. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Sayyidina Abu Huraira's narrations, they're all general. They're about fiqh, they're about hadith, they're, and that also tells us about his personality. Because he was three years sitting in the, with the Prophet ﷺ, just farigh, and he says, I'm doing, I'm, I'm just sitting on the porch of the Prophet ﷺ, and I had, did nothing. He said, how do you know so many hadith, more than us? He said, because while you people were here near Tijara, while the Ansar were in their farms, and while the Muhajireen are in their Tijara, I would stay hungry in the Halatul Ju' and I would sit and learn the hadith of the Prophet. Again, the, the miscellaneous nature of his ahadith tells us about his condition. He was just there all the time, so he picked up everything. He picked up fiqh, and he picked up qiyamah and jannah, and, you know, and it, it's beautiful. So it's very intriguing. Like this, the, the, the books that are called Masanid or Musnad. The Musnad is a, a, a hadith compilation based by order of companions. Okay, let's get back to what the objective is here. <clears throat> he was also considered, and the Prophet ﷺ said, many, many virtues of Sayyidina Abu Dhar Ghifari. He said, that Sayyidina Abu Dhar was the most truth, truthful of people in his speech. He didn't care. Many times he actually, he's he's actually you know, reported, of, he took a cane and he was trying to hit Sayyidina Uthman on the head with it. Like, you know, he was, he's like, oh Uthman, you're not, you know, you're keeping money. Do you know it's haram to keep money overnight? That was his fatwa. That you cannot keep any money overnight. If you do, you fall into the category of those people that make, you know, that, that store gold and silver. So he's, I mean, it's not right for him. He's attacking, you know, the Nurain. He's attacking Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan. But he was asdaqun nasi lahjatan. The Prophet said he can't control himself. And that is why the Prophet said about Abu Dhar Ghifari, you will live alone and you will die alone. So remember, when you pride yourself of being such a truthful person, then don't be sad if people run away from you. Okay? This was a promise that was given by the Prophet ﷺ to him. So I only speak the truth. Because I tell people, Bhai, meeti meeti baat karos. Nothing wrong with saying good, good words. You don't have to lie to people. You don't have to cheat people. You don't have to lie, but you can say kind words. You can say sweet words. But there are people that just say, I will say the truth and I will say it even if it's bitter. Okay, then be ready that people are not going to like you. Be ready that you're going to live alone and die alone. And don't complain that oh, all the people are like this. No, you just have, the, the, you just have a, a, a tongue like a sword. Sayyidina Abu Dhar, lahajatan. The most straightest of people in the tongue. Right? And he said, this. So Sayyidina Abu Dhar, he lived, him and his wife, and he had one khadim. And they lived in a hut in the outskirt, outskirt areas in the desert. And he was on his deathbed. I don't want to go into the story of Abu Dhar Ghifari, but it's so interesting. It's just so interesting. And he was on his deathbed. And he said, 
His wife was saying, Ya, oh my husband, who will there be to give you ghusl, to give you janazah? I am worried now. He said, no, the Prophet ﷺ has promised me. They will come. And, you know, he passed away. Nobody had come. She went out and she saw that there was a sariya, there was a, uh, you know, an army, a jamaat of sahaba radiallahu that they came and then they said, Sadaqa Rasulullah. How true is the words of the Prophet that he will live alone, he will die alone in these outskirts and that a group of my companions will come and they will do all your... And they did. Radiallahu anhu. He was from amongst the very, very special companions of the Prophet He was one of the most honorable and noble of the companions and the most ascetic, the most ascetic, austere, and lived in poverty and lived in austere lifestyle. And it mentioned that the, the person who led Salatul Janazah on him at, at the place where he was, Rabda, Rabda, it was Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Faqihu Hadihil Ummah. And then the second was Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu. And who was Mu'adh ibn Jabal? Mu'adh ibn Jabal was the beloved of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was the one who the Prophet said about him, Ya Mu'adh inni la uhibbuk. He accepted Islam when he was 18 years old. He accepted Islam when he was 18 years old. And his mother was a very, very pious person. And he was from amongst also from the scholars of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. <clears throat> it's mentioned about him يأتي معاذ يوم القيامة بين يدي العلماء رتوة he will come on the day of judgment uh, leading the ulama of the ummah and the ulama will be behind him by the shooting of an arrow yani he will be their imam Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal and he said أعلم الناس بالحلال والحرام Mu'adh ibn Jabal those, the one who is most knowledgeable of the halal and the haram is Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Now, why did Mu'adh ibn Jabal narrate this hadith? So we mentioned already, right? Abu Dhar Ghifari narrated this hadith. The Prophet told him this hadith. And this is, mashallah, by the... This is the commentary of Mullah Ali Qari, rahimahullah. إِنَّمَا قَالَهُ لِأَبِي ذَرْ لَمَّا جَاءَ إِلَيْهِ وَهُوَ مُخْتَفٍ بِمَكَّةِ That Nabi Sallallahu told him, this, when he was hiding in Mecca and he wanted to send him back to his people. Right? So he gave him a very comprehensive advice. And why did the Prophet say this advice? The same hadith to Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Fear Allah wherever you may be. And any bad deed that you do, follow it up with a good deed and it will wipe it out. And deal with the people with excellent character. He told him because he was going to Yemen. Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal was going to Yemen. He was being dispatched to Yemen. And from amongst the advices that he gave him was this advice. As is mentioned in Fathul Mubin, Bisharh al Arba'in of Imam al Haythami, Ibn Hajar al Haythami. He says, That fear Allah no matter where you might be, O Mu'adh ibn Jabal, because you will be a Qadi. 
when you go to Yemen. You will, you will deal with the issues of the people. You will be a governor over the people. You will be deciding the matters of people. And you have to be conscious and constantly aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in what you do and the decisions that you give. And we know in another hadith, right, the Prophet asked Abu uh, Mu'adh, how will you decide, how will you judge amongst the people? He said, by the book of Allah. He said, then what? He said, by the sunnah of Rasulullah. He said, then what? He said, if I don't find it there, then I will follow my ijtihad based on the book and the Quran, the Quran and the sunnah. And the Prophet said, you are right. So he knew that he was going to be a qadi. And the Prophet said, you must have fear of Allah Azza wa Jalla and deal with the people amicably. And any sin that you do, follow it up with a good deed. Then this is the most comprehensive advice. This is advice that you follow your entire life and it'll be enough for you. This is enough advice for anybody. And as we know, when Sayyidina Mu'adh radiallahu came back, the Prophet had already passed away. So this was literally at the end of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and you can imagine how comprehensive an advice this is. This is the last hadith that Mu'adh ibn Jabal heard from him. The last words that he heard from him. And Mullah Ali Qari writes, anhu He followed this advice of the Prophet to the T. How? وَمِن ثَمَّ لَمَّا بَعَثَهُ When Umar sent him and dispatched him for some work, and he was following this statement of the Prophet till the end of his life. When Sayyidina Umar sent Mu'adh to do some work as like a amil, as a a wali, a governor. And he came back home, he didn't have anything. So his wife got angry with him. He said, what are you doing free work for people? How do you think we're going to live? You're going, Umar sending you to go do work, and then you come back and you have no money? Where's the money? Yani, she's like, we don't have anything to eat. Umar sending you with work, you should at least bring something back for your family. You're doing free work for people. Yani, his wife got angry at him. You're, going in, you're a governor. You're a government worker. right? You're going and you're doing free work for people. You come back empty-handed. So what did, what did, he, what did, what did Sayyidina Mu'adh say? He says, He said, I had a supervisor that was constantly watching me, so I couldn't take anything. And which supervisor? He meant Allah. He meant here Allah. He said, there was a dabit. And he would prevent me from taking anything for myself. So when she heard that, so she thought that Umar then sent that supervisor, yani like a spy, to watch if he's going to take anything. And then she still went and complained. Oh, Umar, why did you, you know, why are you doing this to my husband? And she went and she complained. Well, she said, I didn't send anybody to him. She's like, I didn't send anybody with him. He should take what he needed. But it's talking about the fear of Allah. Sayyidina Mu'adh, yani even his haq, he was afraid to take it because he was working with the wealth of the community. It's a fear of Allah Azza wa Jal. May Allah give us that fear that when you're working with the Baytul Mal, you're working with the money of the community. Even this was his haq, but he was so overwhelmed with fear, he never forgot the advice of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
No matter what situation you might be, this is your job, it's your work, it's your business, or whatever it might be. But it teaches us a very important point, brothers and sisters. Allah is not only in the masjid. Some people think Allah is only watching us when we're in the masjid in the house of Allah. Be conscious of Allah wherever you may be because Allah is with you wherever you are. And some people, subhanAllah, they're in Afghanistan, when they come here, they take off the hijab. They're in Pakistan, they come to America, they take off the hijab. As if Allah exists there and Allah doesn't exist here. Na'udhu billah. Wherever you go, you are under the canopy of Allah's earth. Wherever you walk is the earth of Allah. Wherever you walk, is, you're under the sky of Allah Azza wa Jal. You cannot escape Him. My Shaykh, Rahimahullah, Mahakim Akhtar Sahib, Rahmatullah he always used to say, he says that no matter where you go, in a worldly hukuma, in a worldly government, somebody commits a crime in America, they run away to Mexico to hide, right? Or they go to Colombia. Or somebody commits a crime, you know, in Afghanistan, they jump off to the border in Pakistan, right? Somebody does something in one place, they go because they're out of the jurisdiction of that government. They're out of the jurisdiction of that hukuma. But wherever you go, belongs everywhere you go lillahi mulkus samawati wal ard lillahi mulkus samawati wal ard to allah belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth no matter where you go you cannot escape him no matter where you go you will not be able to escape the dominion the hukuma of allah azza wa jalla this is this hadith reminds us of that no matter where we might be we have to be conscious of allah azza wa jalla yani ittaqillaha fil khala'i wal mala Fear Allah Azza wa in private and in public. And in the condition of good and condition of bad. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a knower of your internal just as He is aware of your external. So always be constantly aware and conscious that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-raqib. Allah is the watcher. Allah ta'ala sees us and sees our actions. Wal-ihtiraz an masakhitihi wa manahihi and to always be aware and fearful of those things that bring anger of Allah azza wa jal. Wa atbi'i sayyi'ata al-hasanata tamhuha. The second point is to follow up your sins with good deeds. And if you do this, it will wipe it away. And this is such a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the pious people said, he said, look at how merciful is Allah. That he says, when you do a good deed, your good deeds wipe away your sins. What if Allah would have said to us that your sins wipe away your good deeds? Then what would we do? And alhamdulillah, sins don't wipe away good deeds. The only sin that wipes away our good deeds is shirk. Allah Ta'ala says, That if you were to ascribe partners to Allah, all of your deeds would be wiped away. This is the only sin that wipes away a person's deeds. This is the mercy of Allah Azza wa Jal. Imagine, we're always committing sins. We're always making mistakes. But this is Allah's mercy that He does not make our sins wipe away our good deeds. 
When you commit a sin, when you commit a mistake, the, 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 the good deeds are in their place. They are not removed. They are not erased. But when you do good deeds, your sins are erased. Allahu Akbar. And this is from the Quran. This is the Quran. It's a very beautiful ayah of the Quran. It's mentioned in Hadith of Bukhari and Muslim. Abdullah ibn Masood narrates that a man, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Ya Rasulullah, asabtu haddan, faaqimhu alay. Ya Rasulullah, I have committed a major sin. I've committed a very great wrong. Implement the had, implement hudud on me. Right? Implement the punishment of Allah on me. And he was very regretful. He did something. So the Prophet said, pray this salat with us. It was Asr time. He said, okay, I will listen to you. Pray this salat with us. So they prayed the salat. He came to the Prophet after the salat. Ya Rasulullah, asabtu haddan faaqimhu alay. Ya Rasulullah, I have committed a grave sin. Bring the, implement the had on me. So the Prophet said, did you perform this salat behind me? He said, yes. He says, then glad tidings that Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ طَرَفَ يِنَّهَارِ وَزُلَفًا مِّنَ اللَّيْلِ إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّئَاتِ ذَلِكَ ذِكْرَى لِلذَّاكِرِينَ That established the prayer at the two corners of the day and in the, and in the depths of the night. Established the prayer at the corners of the day and the depths of the night. Why? Because the good deeds wipe away the evil deeds. And this is a reminder for those who take heed. He said, Ya Rasulullah, is this only for me or for the entire ummah? He said, this is for the entire ummah. So what a beautiful hadith that shows that the good deeds that we perform, it is what? It is something that it wipes away our sins here some people like to ask questions so mashallah the, the shurrah of hadith they have mentioned and I think it's an important bahath there's a problem here Mullah Ali Qari says that that if we were to take this hadith general then there would be a big problem in this. Why? Because I go to the bar, I have a couple of drinks, I come, I come and I just perform prayer, and that's it, I just perform the prayer and it's done. This is Mullah Liqari, always doing saja, always making it rhyme. He says, that if we were to take the generality of this hadith and say, any, any sin you do, just go do a good deed after it. That's it, you're done. Then what will it lead to? It will lead to fasad. And you have no fear of what? You have no fear of accountability in the akhirah. Very similar to just believe in Jesus Christ. Christmas Day, guys. Believe in Jesus Christ and he died for your sins. Wallahi, I had a Christian who came here in Ramadan. 
and he heard me talking about man sama ramadana imana wa ihtisaba man qama ramadana imana anybody who fasts the month of ramadan and prays the nights of ramadan inshallah brothers you know when we make a little bit of effort allah ta'ala will give us great reward and so on and so forth he came at me that's really nice all the stuff you said but why don't you just make it easy just believe in jesus christ you don't have to do anything i said thank you for showing the invalidity of your religion thank you you proved how off your religion is how he's so simply he said it to me he said it's so wonderful listening to everything that you said but why are you making so hard on yourself just believe in jesus christ you have to do nothing literally he said this with so much pride in, his, in himself and i said really i said i would rather not deceive myself like that thank you i'd rather not deceive myself and follow such falsehood and give myself wishful thinking that all I need to believe is a false, uh, a false premise and a false aqidah that a person, God created his son, na'udhu billah, and he died on the cross for the sins of mankind, and now we're all forgiven, and all we need to do is accept that false premise. And you don't need to pray, and you, literally this is what he said, you don't need to pray, you don't need to fast, you don't need to do anything, just accept him. He said it with so much confidence and I said, Alhamdulillah We don't know the value of Islam and Iman. That when a person is in that state, they don't realize. They think it's such a good thing. And they don't know how foolish and how, what so much level of stupidity that is. How invalid that is. And how that completely takes a person out of the sense of accountability. And here our mashayikh have spoken about it. That don't let this hadith make you fall into that train of thinking. You see, don't let this hadith make you fall into this train of thinking. What train of thinking? And that's it. I can commit a sin and I just go and do a good deed after it. Rather, it's a very important point that he's mentioning here. That there's another tariq and another version of this hadith that actually says, وَإِنْ أَحْدَثْتَ ذَنْبًا فَأَحْدِثْ عِنْدَهُ تَوْبَةً Right? إِنْ سِرًّا فَسِرًّا وَإِنْ عَلَانِيَةً فَعَلَانِيَةً So this hadith is not mutlaq. It's muqayyad. That you don't just, it's not just general. That you just go commit a sin, and then after committing a sin, you just go and go and do a good deed. No. For that, for that particular major sin that you've committed intentionally, you, there's, there's a requirement of tawbah. And what they say about this is that that person had already come to the Prophet with regret in his heart. He had already made tawbah. What is it? An-nadmu at-tawbah. Right? At-tawbah to nadmun. As is mentioned in another hadith, that the reality of tawbah is regret and remorse. He had already come to the Prophet with regret and remorse. He had made his tawbah. So this hadith just became, I mean, this amal with the Prophet, that the salah just became a purification for him. So this is a very important point to understand. That in another narration, the Prophet said, in ahdathsadhamban, if you have committed a sin, indahu tawbah. Then it is required for you to make tawbah. And tawbah is understandable. Tawbah is a regret. Tawbah is a promise. Right? Al-azmu wal-nadmu wal-iqla. Imam Nawi says three conditions of tawbah. You have to make azm that you're never going to do it again. You have to have regret over it. And you have to remove yourself from that sin. So tawbah is absolutely, it's not wishful thinking. It's practical. We all make mistakes. But we don't rely upon an aqidah, which is a false aqidah, that that aqidah of mine, right, like the murji'i, the, the aqidah tul-irja, that my iman is sufficient for me. 
right? I don't need to do anything. The fact that I have iman, no matter what sin. La yadurru ma'al imani dhambun. This is the belief of irja, and that's the belief of the Christians as well. That as long as you have iman in this false premise, then you don't need to worry about any of your sins. We don't have that in Islam. But this is practical. A person committed a sin. It's required for him to make tawbah. And that's exactly what in another version it says that tawbah is required. Hada waqad ajma'al ulama. Mullah Ali Qari says that the ulama are of a consensus. Alama qalahu ibn Abdul Barr. Just as Ibn Abdul Barr has mentioned, Anna al-a'mal as-salihata la tukaffiru ghayr as-saghair. That the good deeds, they do not wipe away except small sins. Minor sins. You understand? So for major sins, a person needs to have sincere tawbah and repentance. But the minor sins, Allah Azza wa Jal does away with those through our deeds, through our actions, through our salats, through our prayers. These are the mistakes that we make. The random blunders, the random mistakes, you know, a mistaken glance, a mistaken word. But the intentional sin that we commit, and intentional wrongs that we do, this requires tawbah. نعم قد تخفف الكبائر على ما صرح به النووي لا تكفر غير الصغائر وقد تكفف وقد تخفف الكبائر very beautiful thing Imam Nawawi says that the, 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 the minor sins get forgiven but the major sins can become lightened the load of the major sins can become lightened but they don't fall off you need tawbah to get rid of the major sins وَأَمَّا الْكَبَائِرِ فَلَا بُدَّ لَهَا مِنَ التَّوْبَةِ As for the major sins, you have to make tawbah. لِإِجْمَاعِهِمْ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهَا فَرْضٍ Because this is an obligatory thing in our religion that every sin requires a tawbah. And what is mentioned in some of the ahadith, الصَّلَوَاتُ الْخَمْسِ والجمعة إلى الجمعة ورمضان إلى رمضان مكفرات لما بينهن مجتنبات الكبائر that the five daily prayers and one Friday to another Friday and one Ramadan to another Ramadan these are atonements for everything that occurs in between so one prayer between another prayer is it, 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 it atones one Ramadan to another Ramadan is an atonement for all of what happened in between and one Friday to another Friday is an atonement for everything that happened in between. But here it clearly says with this condition, Majtunibatil kabair, as long as the major sins are avoided. Fahaka ibn Atiya an Jamhuri ahli sunnati fi ma'anahu an najtinab al kabair shartun li takfiri hadihi al faraidi lis sagair. That avoiding the major sins is a condition for kafaratul sagair. In other words, if we want our minor sins to be forgiven with these random deeds that we do, then we have to avoid the major sins. And we have to have tawbah from our major sins. This is, a, this is the yani, qawl faisal. Yani, this is the final word on it. That if we want our random deeds to be an atonement for our sins, we have to avoid the major sins and make tawbah from them. And if we avoid the major sins, and we make tawbah from our major sins, then what? As Allah Azza wa Jal says, in tajtanibuna kabaira ma tunhawna anhu, nukaffira ankum sayyiatikum. You see how this belief goes completely in accordance with the Quran. And this is the beauty of the aqaid of Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah. 
Ahlus Sunnah wa Jama'ah in their aqaid, they are more, more, most balanced with al jama' bayn al hadithi wal Quran. Combining and making mutabaka and conciliating between what is mentioned in the hadith and what is mentioned in the Quran. What does the Quran say? In tajtanibu. If you stay away from the major sins, nukaffir ankum sayyatikum, then we will pardon, we will atone the minor sins. This is exactly in accordance with the Quran. If you stay away from the major sins, we will pardon the minor sins. And this is the fadl and the, and the, and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And lastly, this was in regards to how we deal with Allah. Fear Him wherever you may be. Be conscious of Him wherever you may be. And anytime you make a mistake, stay away from major sins, but whenever you make a mistake, always follow it up with a good deed, with the intention of kafara. This is, should be your mu'amala with Allah. كَيْفَ نُعَامِلُ رَبَّنَا كَيْفَ نُعَامِلُ رَبَّنَا How do we deal with our Lord? Be conscious of Him wherever you are. And if you make a mistake, follow it up with a good deed. And Allah Azza wa Jal says that فَمَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَهُوَ فِي عِيشَةِ الرَّاضِيَةِ وَمَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةِ Anybody whose good deeds are heavier, he will be in Jannah. And anybody whose good deeds are lighter and his sins are heavier, so it's just trying to keep your good deeds on the heavier on the scales. That's our, our thing. That's what Allah wants from us. Not perfection. Allah wants us to do the best we can. Perfection is not asked of us. Otherwise, why would Allah... He's saying, if your good is more than your bad, that shows, my brothers and sisters, a very important point. No human being is 100% good. Only Rasulullah and the prophets, the prophets السلام, were ma'sumin. They were perfect. Every other human being, no human being is 100% perfect. No jama'ah is 100% perfect. No group of Muslims. You know, we have all these different groups now. No group is 100% perfect. No single human being, no shaykh is 100% perfect. No hizb and no particular silsila or order is 100% perfect. But what do we have? If the good of a person is more, then he's good. If the good of a jama'ah is more, then that jama'ah is good. If the good of that human being is more, then that human being is good. Nobody is perfect 100%. It's impossible. And that's not what Allah asks from us. So my dear brothers, let's not treat each other like this. Let's not have a standard with each other higher than the standard that Allah has expected from us. Allah says, فَمَنْ ثَقْوَلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَهُوَ فِي عِيشَةِ الرَّاضِيَةِ وَمَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ وَمَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ Allah Ta'ala says the people whose good deeds are heavier. In other words, they have sins. They have problems. They have issues. They have, you know, certain, you know, sins that they came with. But their good deeds are more. He will be from the successful ones. Yani even Allah Azza wa Jal didn't say, that's it. Oh, you have a sin? Go to Jahannam forever and ever. That's the Mu'tazila. There is a group of people who believe that. They're a deviant sect in Islam. We don't think like that. We don't believe that. They said if you commit one sin, you're out of the fold of Islam. And if you don't make tawbah, you will be mukhallad fin nar. Muslims. They were a Muslim group, the Mu'tazila. I mean, there were people, and they're pious. So that made them very, very pious. <laughs> because you commit one sin, you're a kafir. So they were, they were really on it. But they're misguided. They're deviant. 
Because this is not what is the, this is not the, the, the aqidah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jamaah. This is not the, in accordance with the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah doesn't want from us perfection. Allah wants us to do the best. No, and remember this, we always are very critical of certain jama'ats, of certain groups, of certain people, of certain uh, uh, movements, of certain tariqas or ways that people conduct themselves. And we'll just say, you know, kufr, shirk, bid'ah, and you know, haram, and don't sit with them, and deviant, and no group, no jama'ah, no human being can claim perfection. And remember this usul. Always remember this usul. That if a person is majority good, and a majority of what they teach, and what they're about, and what he does is good, then he's good. Inshallah. Inshallah. And if a person, majority is bad, then what? Then he still has hope. Don't forget that. Let's not say, and if a majority is bad, then he goes to hell. No. And if a majority, you were waiting for that, right? And if a majority, we're not going to be sending people to hell here, inshallah. Allah's mercy is too fast. And if a person's majority of what he does is bad, there is still hope. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave a prostitute because of the water she gave to a dog. What can we think about the person who prays five times a day? We will not give our brothers who come and pray with us five times a day that the benefit of the doubt. Come on, guys. People are fighting over, I'm serious, I'm, I'm not talking about here. Here is subhanallah, you know, here is Jannah, you know, in comparison to play. People are giving takfir over mask. Kufr. They're giving fatwa of kufr on somebody else because these people wear masks. Your yaqeen is in the mask. You're a kafir. It's getting crazy. It's getting so out of hand. So out of hand. Ulama, ulama are making takfir on muftis, ulamas. A mufti bichara, he, you know, he had given a fatwa that, you know, masajid for the sake of, you know, corona spreading, the masajid should be for sake of, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, per, you know, pre preserving life and many people have died and the hospitals are full, you know, we should do social distancing and, and they give the fatwa of that, the takfir of that, uh, Maulana. He's a kafir. He's closing the masajid. And then what happened? SubhanAllah, he, he himself got corona and he passed away from it. He said he got what he deserved. This is happening in, in Muslim circles. Alim bi unke haat se mahfuz nahi hai. Alim. Sheikhs are not safe from their tongue. Can you imagine we can say such a thing about an alim? This, this, this mask, this mask here has become an aqidah issue. Such a sad situation. That's why the whatever was mentioned, my, my point is, I, I don't disagree. I'll wear it. But my point is, is that what is happening in this country, my dear brothers and sisters? Do you know what is happening? The mask has become like a political issue. People want to, there were fights that happened. Somebody got shot over the mask. Literally, there was, a, there was shootings. Because somebody's, you know, he believes that, you know, mask is Jesus Christ's savior, you know. That this, if he has to do it and another person says, you know, you know forget about it, I'm not going to do it. And it just, just, they had a fight. We don't, we don't need that. There doesn't need to be this extreme. Always remember this. That the aqidah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah always is the middle ground. In everything, 
even if it might be the mask, even if it's an issue of vaccination, find the middle path in everything. I don't, this, this mask and vaccination is not a, even a religious issue. I shouldn't even bring it up. But what, why I'm saying this is because it came in this. Hasanati yudhibna sayyat. Allah does away with our, as long as we do our best to stay away from the major sins, Allah forgives. But we don't even want to forgive the minor sins. We don't want to forgive the difference of opinion. Allah knows what I teach my students. Allah knows what I, people say I'm strict. Allah knows what I teach my students. I send my students to people who are other teachers of another madhab, teachers of another tariqah, teachers of another thinking. People don't realize. You cannot, you cannot have this, you know, this injection in your brain that we are only the right people and everyone else is wrong. Our opinion is the most perfect opinion. Everybody else's opinion they can. I am saved and everybody else is going to hell. Na'udhu billah. This is the, in a difference of opinion, what the fuqaha say, you say that I am, in this academic opinion, I am right with the possibility of being wrong. Ana ala sawab bihtimal al-khata. This is the, this is the, this is adab al-ikhtilaf. I am right in this opinion, for example, I don't do raful yadain, and I don't do amin bil-jahar, and I say, in this academic viewpoint, I am right with the possibility of being wrong. This is our research. This is the research of thousand years of scholars. And in this opinion, this is our academic opinion, our research. The conclusion is that we don't do raful yadain and this is the closest thing to the sunnah. And we are right in this with the possibility of being wrong. And Imam Shafi'i, in this opinion, in the academic opinion, he is not correct in his conclusion that he has come to with the possibility of being right. This is called adabul ikhtilaf. This is our academic view, how we view these actions. We consider this more preferable, but that is also correct. But this is more preferable. Because of this academic research, we've come to this conclusion. And we're right, we could be wrong. And he's wrong, he could be right. But now, what is our thinking? I am going to Jannah with the no possibility of Jahannam. And he's going to Jahannam with no possibility of Jannah, no parole. With no possibility of parole, life sentence. Bhai, what, what, this is like, what are you doing here? You're sending him to hell with no possibility of parole. It's not like that. It's just the academic preferable or imp not preferable. This is Daesh Aqeedah. You dif disagree with me? You, you differ with your opinion with me? I will kill you. And you are kafir because you differ with me. This is Daesh. This is ISIS. This is what they're about. They kill Muslims because they have difference of opinion about them. This is not Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they have so many opinions. When we're in Dawra Hadith, Mawlana, what do you do in Dawra? This is the opinion. You know, first thing I realized in Dawra, this is, the, this is the opinion of Abu Thawr, and this is the opinion of Sufyan Thawri, and this is the opinion of Ibrahim Nakha'i. And I'm like, where do these guys come from? They have an opinion? I thought it was Abu Hanifa and Shafi and Malik and Hanbal. You go to Dawra in the final year where you graduate, and you start learning about this is the opinion of Ibrahim Nakha'i and Qatada and I don't know, you know, Ikrama and Mujahid and where, where do these guys come from? 
Yani there's, there's, a, there's a variety of opinion. There's open opinion in various different issues. And we're killing each other. You know, Muslims. Because a person, he prays in a different way, or he has a different view that I have. This is not right. And this is incorrect. And this is not Islam. There was a lot of variety of opinion and discussion that took place in the early generations. They say that Imam, Imam Malik, it was Imam Malik and another Imam. And after Salatul Isha, they started to have a discussion and a disagreement about a mas'ala. They were standing after Salatul Isha. It was Imam Malik and another Imam. I think it was Imam Shafi'i, if I'm not mistaken. Allah they're standing after Salatul Isha and they're debating a mas'ala, an issue. And they're dis disagreeing and they're arguing. And he said, the watchers, they think that they're talking to one another because they're holding each other's hand and they were speaking to each other in such a soft voice that the people who are the onlookers, they think they're Jor Pursani. You know, they're asking, how are you doing and how's everything and kayfa haluk and kayfa, kayfa asbah, kayfa tamsayt. You know, they're just, just chopping it up. Until Salatul Fajr. When Salatul Fajr came, they asked the two Imams. He said, oh, there's a very serious disagreement that we were having about one issue, and we needed to get to the bottom of it. So the, the issue was not really resolved, but we have hope that in the next sitting that we have, Allah will manifest the truth on the tongue of one of us. This was the level of respect that they had for one another. And this is why it says, hasan." The last advice that the Prophet gave is, with your relationship with Allah, don't forget that you destroy your people. But don't forget You're so pious with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But remember, mankind, they are the mirrors. They are the mirrors of our actions. And they reflect back what comes upon us. If we treat other human beings with wrong, we treat other human beings with oppression, with, e with evil character, right? This, is, this, is, this will go back with our relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As is mentioned in the hadith, Allah ta'ala will forgive all sins except the wrongs and the injustices that we did to others. And this is a very important thing, that immediately after Hukukullah, Allah mentions Hukukul Ibad. A lot of times a person is praying five times a day. He doesn't care how he treats his parents. He doesn't care how he treats his wife or his relatives or his neighbors. And the reality of the, this, this in particular, the Prophet says, that should I not tell you who is the muflis on the day of judgment? Bankrupt. So they said, Ya Rasulullah, the bankrupt person is the one who has no money, no cash. No gold and silver. He said, no, that's not the muflis of my ummah. The muflis of my ummah will be on the day of judgment, he will come with mountains of deeds. He will come with mountains of deeds. Yani, the huququllah he implemented very well. He never missed his dhikr. He never missed his tilawat. He never missed his salat. He did that very well with punctuality. He was good with Allah. But with people, this is the words of the Prophet He hit this one, and he cursed this one, and he shed the blood of this one, and he take the mal and usurp the wealth of this one. 
So it will be say, فَيَأْخُذُ هَذَا بِحَسَنَاتِهِ وَهَذَا بِحَسَنَاتِهِ So this one will take from his hasanat, and this one will take from his hasanat, until all of his hasanat are eaten up, and you'll have nothing. So then Allah will say, now if he has nothing to give, if there's still grievances, he still got debts to pay, he still has harmed people, then Allah Ta'ala will say, okay, he doesn't have any deeds to give, now give your sins to him, lighten your load. And people will throw their sins upon him. And that person who came to Allah with mountains of deeds, he will go to Allah with the mountains of sins. Why? Because he didn't have khaliqin nasa bi khuluqin hasan. You can see how this hadith is a complete comprehensive hadith. May Allah Ta'ala give us that. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq and enable us to implement these teachings. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.